Hey guys, thank you so much for listening or watching our podcast. If you're enjoying our podcast, we would like to invite you to support us by leaving us a review. Let us know how you have been encouraged by each one of the stories that you have listened here. Also leaving us your feedback. You can also help by following us on social media on Instagram and Facebook or by liking or commenting on our post and also by sharing with your friends and family. Also, don't forget to subscribe on our podcast and YouTube channel. Another way that you can also help us is financially by visiting our Patreon page by going on the link here on the description. That's kind of how the blog started because I was just learning so much after I started a year after I had Alethea and then just have kept chipping away at it ever since and sharing as I am learning and growing and learning about being a mom and how you need to study your Bible a lot as a mom and that you have such a vital role in your children's lives and you influence them so much and obviously as Christian you want to influence them for God and for Christ and you can't do that if you are not reading your Bible This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a series dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Bakalu. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast, Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives. Again, I am your host, Arlenis, and uh, very grateful for all of you who have been faithfully listening and even watching our videos on YouTube. Uh, special thanks to our dear friend, Anna Heat. If you follow our Instagram page and you have seen some of the quotes that we have been sharing daily, this is thanks to our friend, Anna Heat, who has kindly been helping us. And Anna Heat basically just listened to the testimonies and has created a document where I can then go back to and be, and to be able to create the graphics that you guys see uh, on a daily basis on our Instagram page. So thank you so much to our friend, uh, Anna Heat. And also she has helped us even with behind the scenes uh, photos and videos that, that you've, uh, if you've seen the, the Instagram page that we uh, have been sharing lately. So very thankful for that. And thank you to our friend, Andrea Klein. She is responsible for our audio for this podcast. Very grateful for in the way that she just continues to serve our uh, podcast. So thank you, Andrea. And you can find her, Andrea Klein Audio. That's how you can find her on Instagram. But you can also just go on our Instagram page and you can see that in the post. Uh, some of the videos that we have posted, you can find her page there as well. And today we have a very special guest. Her name is Deborah Gandhi. Uh, she is the mother of a baby girl. And she is the wife of Harold Gandhi. We actually met through our church, Grace Community Church. But as we will be hearing in our conversation, they recently moved to England. I think it was about a month ago. And she will be sharing a little bit about that, about her testimony, and also about her blog, which is Naptime Theologian. And I would like to read a little bit about that, what she says on her page about this blog. Theologian out of calling from the Lord. We are all theologians, really. Nap time as a necessity. When I became a mom, I learned that I really needed God's word in time with him. Nothing that I could do will fill that void. So I began dedicating my daughter's nap time so, to studying God's word and working on my heart. Boy, what a difference that has made. In this blog is the fruit of those efforts. I share all things Bible study, mom life, mothering for Christ, book reviews, and a bunch of So yeah, we will be hearing a little bit more about this uh, blog. Remember, guys, if you are looking in, in ways to just be part of our podcast or to support our podcast, 
Remember that you can do that by by following us on social media, subscribing to our YouTube channel, subscribing uh, to our podcast, uh, whatever platform to find the platform. You can just visit the link in our bio and our Instagram page or on Facebook. I haven't mentioned, actually, we have a Twitter account. So you can uh, find our Twitter account. It's at Ordinary With, at Ordinary With. You can also find the Twitter page by going on the link in our bio on our, on our Instagram page. And we would love to hear your feedbacks as well. And we would love to hear how this podcast has been an encouragement to you guys. So please feel free to leave us a review. But by leaving a review, you're actually helping other people who might be looking for other for podcasts to be listening to and letting them know that, this is a podcast that they should be listening to, that they will be encouraged and why should they be listening to this podcast. So also remember that our Patreon page, you can check that out also and support us through Patreon. It's uh, the link. It's on our bio also on Instagram. And well, here is my conversation with Deborah Gandhi. Well, uh, I just want to thank you guys to you and Harold to, you know, to taking this time to uh, joining me oh, in the sure. podcast and um, really excited to hear more about it, you know, just to talk about it later on about the whole move and how everything you know is kind of going for you guys and yeah so uh normally I like to um begin you know with people just kind of giving us a little background um I know that this will be a blessing because I got the chance to uh to listen to your testimony in the uh Sojourners Women Fellowship uh, group uh it was really nice just to have you be the speaker that day and being able to hear how the Lord has worked in your life and the trials Mm -hmm. that you've had to endure and how the Lord just uh help you through those trials um, and I know that it would be an encouragement for any of our ladies out there also who might have gone through things like that or, you know, being a missionary kid. And, you know, so mm-hmm. I, w- I won't share too much. So how about we just get into that? Uh, just um, share a little bit about your upbringing and your family and you take it from there. Yeah. Yeah. So I was born into a Christian home and I my parents were both missionaries and they have been missionaries since they got married and um my whole life have been missionaries so I was born into their home and uh that is such a blessing and something that I really try not to take for granted because it's easy to uh, not be thankful for being born into a Christian home or to think that it's not special when it really is special that Mm -hmm. the Lord put you or put me into a uh, Bible-believing Christian home, and uh, yeah, my parents were missionaries, and that's where I was born into the family, and I have a lot of siblings, and we moved around a lot because my parents were missionaries um, several different times as a kid. We moved, and uh, yeah, just that made us all grow close together, especially the siblings. We um, played a lot, and we're just best friends growing up, and I had four I have four brothers and one sister. So especially my sister, we have always been really close because we were kind of, you know, buddies amongst all the boys. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that was fun growing up like that. But yeah, that's how I grew up in a Christian home, always going to church. A lot of the time, my dad was actually the pastor or would be having Bible studies at our house. And I heard the gospel from a really early age because of that. I was always hearing it at church. And then my parents always taught us um, the gospel and taught us Bible verses. And I was in Awana and memorized verses and all of those things that you would expect from 
growing up as a missionary kid slash pastor's kid. That was my life for sure. As um, yeah, growing up in a Christian home and just having the gospel and the Bible in front of us mm-hmm. all the time. And then seeing my parents' example too of being missionaries and giving their life to be in ministry um, was also a big part of my growing up years. And my parents are originally from Alabama. So it was kind of Southern style of being raised to as far as my parents go, but we didn't really ever live in the South. It was mainly in Puerto Rico and then in Antigua, the island of Antigua, and then Guam later when I was um, a teenager. Mm-hmm. So. And that's a, I think it's so interesting, you know, just because I've have other friends also that they, you know, they moved from place to place and praise the Lord, just having siblings is a kind of easier, I guess, in a way, because they just, like you said, they they were like best, best friends and they were able just to uh, get closer to each other and also be in homeschool as well. Can you uh, share a little bit about that experience? What was, what was it like to like feeling, you know, like, okay, oh, we have to move to this next place. How was that experience for you? How was it like to, how was it for you, like even to make friends in these places? Were you able to make friends or how was the whole experience for you guys as a family? Yeah, that's a really good question. Definitely, like you're saying, having siblings helped with moving so much and we were homeschooled, all homeschooled. And so that also helped in a way because we were just together all the time Mm -hmm. and um we moved a lot when I was younger more and I think when you're younger it's easier because your friends are kind of not superficial but you're younger so you don't necessarily build those like deep long-lasting friendships when you're seven and eight and nine um so that was easier moving when I was younger but the move to Guam was really really difficult because I was um, 14 when I found out we were moving. And so that's kind of a hard time. Anyway, you're in middle school and there's like a lot going on and just trying to figure out life. And then just have your parents say, oh yeah, we're moving um, literally all the way around the world and you're leaving all your friends and this place that you have lived for the last several years and like felt established. And like, for me, I thought I was going to finish high school where we were living and then go to college, you know, somewhere close by. But um, instead we we moved when I was 15. And so that was really difficult, but I think the Lord used that one, especially to just draw me closer to him and show me that I had been relying a lot on my friendships for meaning in life and um that that wasn't what life was about that life my life should be about him and serving him and honoring him and so when we moved to Guam was really hard because he took all that away and had to show me like hey you know your friends are not what life is about and I did make good friends in Guam but um not right off and so I think when I first moved it was a good time for the Lord to really show me that I need to have him be my friend and and be who my life needed to be about. And, um, I think that I prayed like the sinner's prayer when I was younger, but it was really that move to Guam that, um, made me like fully committed to the Lord and wanting to serve him and really studying my Bible, reading my Bible. And that's when I could really see like the change in my heart and my life was through that move 
And yeah, so the other ones were easy, but that one was really hard and was definitely a tough time, but the Lord used it for my good. So I'm thankful. Yeah. You mentioned also like, you know, your father being a pastor, being a missionary. So you have like the Bible from every angle, <laughs> like yeah. you, all everything that you had, you know, it's like hearing the, uh, you know, the word of God and, and all of that. And I think I've had people before in the podcast that they said, because they were raised in the Christian home, at times they felt that, oh yeah, I'm a Christian because, you know, I, my, I love Jesus because my dad or my mom loved Jesus or, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm a Christian because I was raised in a Christian home. So it, it, it makes it seem as if you inherit your salvation. Like, you know, like a lot of people mm-hmm. might feel in that way. Did you feel, do you feel like you ever struggle with, with that? Or did you ever think of loving Jesus because it's something that is just being taught to you or how is that for you? Yeah. I've heard that a lot too from other friends I've had who have grown up in a Christian home and they'll talk about how their faith, they had to make it their own and that it was their own faith. I don't think I ever really felt that way, to be honest. I think maybe I always loved the Lord in a way, but not genuinely until I was, you know, 15 or 16 and had that move to really push me to, you know, the edge of my self-righteousness really and show me that I needed the Lord because I wouldn't I don't know I wouldn't describe feeling that way that I just you know thought I was okay because my parents are Christians and I was raised in a Christian home so I should be fine which I'm thankful for because I think when I look back I think that the Lord did show me that no was my own sin that needed to be taken care of and not I wasn't okay that my just that my parents were saved or that they took me to church yeah. And so you, you come to faith to, um, to salvation, really, it's in your teenage years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So can you think back? Um, how was Deborah before Christ? And how did you see the Lord change your life after finally understanding and grasping the, you know, the, the truth of the gospel? Yeah, that's, uh, Another question. Um, how was Deborah before Christ? Oh, terrible. I mean, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think there's definitely certain sins that I would, would definitely come to mind. Like, well, I think I already said trusting in my friendships or just looking to please other people as how I find joy in life or just my goal in life is to make everyone else happy which I'm a people pleaser anyway. That's what, that's just part of my personality, but that was taken too far, definitely before Christ. And just wanting to maybe look good in front of other people or uh, lying in order to make myself look good or yeah, make myself look better than how I really was. And uh, yeah, I think too, just maybe being superficial in a way, which is lying in its own way, but being superficial, like, because I am a missionary kid or I'm a pastor's kid, then I just know all the right things to do. And I would do them all. And not because I want to serve the Lord, but just because I want to look good or be the perfect child because it would make my parents happy or so those kind of things definitely were what I was pursuing before Christ. And yeah, before he changed my 
that was my goal. Yeah. And how, so you're, uh, even at that time, so until what age did you live with your family in Guam? So I lived, um, the rest of high school in Guam and then I moved to Los Angeles after that. And why did you make the move to LA? Oh, so (laughs) I finished high school in Guam and then I had a gap year and I just worked and stuff in Guam. And then I wanted to go to college and it was kind of an unsaid rule that all of my siblings and me should go to Christian school at least at first. And so I just, I literally Googled Christian schools on the West coast because Guam in case you don't know where it is, it's uh, closer to Japan. So like Hawaii, if you think California and then Hawaii is in the middle and then Guam is like the other side of the mm-hmm. Pacific ocean, it's closer to Japan and the Philippines. So I just looked up the West coast because I knew of some schools in the East coast, like Bob Jones and uh, I think it's in South Carolina and another school in Florida. And so like those were still in the States, but they were a lot farther than if there was one on the West coast. So when uh, I looked on the West coast, the master's, it was the master's college then, but now it's the master's university came up and I had heard of John MacArthur before um, and listened to his sermons and like read some of his commentaries on second Peter. And so Um, yeah, when that came up, I was like, oh, that would probably be a good school. And I would, you know, agree with whatever they would teach me most likely because it's John MacArthur. (laughs) And so that's how I came to California because then I applied to, um, masters and got in and then moved to be a freshman uh, in 20, yeah, to come to California. When was that? What, what year? 2013. 2013. So what happens in California? Tell me a little bit about yeah. your journey in California. <laughs> so I went to college and then um, because I was a missionary kid at master's, they put missionary kids all with the international students, which is really nice because you usually have a lot in common with international students from, you know, moving far away. And I didn't know anyone in California. I just you know, knew the school would be good. So I came. Yeah, I was with all international students. And then they did a retreat in the fall. So it was my first semester. And at that retreat, I ended up meeting my husband there. So we met right away, like my first semester, it was in September, the retreat was in September, and then started dating like a month later. And then um, we only dated a little less than a year and then got engaged. So we got engaged the next August and then we got married the next January. So it was really fast, but, uh, it was just good timing too, that we met. And then he was finishing school or finishing college and starting seminary. And then it was good timing to get married before he started seminary. And so, yeah, so that's what happened when I came to college and met my husband. And now we've just had our anniversary, uh, six years anniversary. So yeah. last, like, two weeks ago. Yeah, so, so a picture of that. It, you guys yeah. were, like, at the beach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Really well, sweet. that was before we came to England, the beach picture was. But, yeah, mm-hmm. that was, um, yeah, six years. Seems like a long time, but at the same time, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> And so. would you mind just sharing a little bit about um, you guys' experience, you know, 
um, you have a daughter now and yeah, you wouldn't mind telling us also about you guys, you got pregnant and then after Alifia. So, and then, oh yeah. Yeah. So if you could just share with us a little bit about that. Yeah. So we got married and then I was working full time at uh, Johnny and friends and I really enjoyed that. And then I got pregnant and I kept working until I had Alethea, stopped working and stayed home after I had Alethea. And uh, that was just a fun, it's just fun. So, well, I shouldn't, it's not always fun. It's hard, but it's really fun to, to be a mom and um, just learning so much from that experience and having Alethea. And I still am every day learning so much just from being a mom and uh yeah, serving her and Harold as a wife. But yeah, so I had Alethea and then um, we weren't planning to have more kids right away. It wasn't like, uh, we just were like, okay, whenever the Lord wants us to have more kids, then that's fine. And so I got pregnant again and we were so excited and um, nothing had really, I had a few pro- like complications with Alethea, but nothing terrible. So I was just excited to have another baby and, um, was so looking forward to, uh, yeah, just welcoming a new baby. And then it was only a couple of days after I found out that I was pregnant that I found out I was starting to miscarry. And so, um, went to the doctor and the doctor did an ultrasound and on the screen, there was nothing there on the screen. And I was just so sad because by then, you know, she should have been able to see something, even if it was just a little mm-hmm. baby, there should have been something there. And so to see the empty screen was just devastating. Had I was having miscarriage and it was really early and we hadn't really told a lot of people that I was even pregnant. Like we told a few people, but, and family, but not um, all our friends. And I think, that almost made it more difficult because then not really everyone knew to say like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Or to check on us or if we needed help or something. Then and, you had a miscarriage and yeah. you didn't tell a lot of people and yeah, right. so we make it difficult. Yeah. Because it was, it was so early. It was really, I think just 10 days after I had tested positive and then had a miscarriage. Um, but those 10 days were so filled of excitement and picking out names and how do we tell Alethea and how do we tell all of our family and, um, okay, when will the birthday be like, when is the due date and all those things and just everything that you would do because you're so excited to have a baby. So then when I found out I had a miscarriage, all of that was like, Oh, just maybe even more devastating. Um, but it really made me think about how precious life is and how much I think I had taken for granted having Alethea so easily. And, um, you know, I had some problems, but not anything major and just having such an easy pregnancy and then easy delivery and then having a baby in my arms. And I think even sometimes uh, when I was pregnant with Alethea, I would be so not upset, but like not sure how everything would go and and then now looking back I'm like why did I ever feel that way I should have just you know been so thankful and been so um yeah so grateful for having life and having healthy babies so yeah I had the miscarriage then it took a while to kind of get over it and I don't think you ever get over having a miscarriage to be honest 
because it's like part of you to have, even if it's a few days, to have a baby inside this part of you. Part of me would not, I wouldn't ever want to forget either because it's still a baby that I had. Um, especially as believers, you know, we believe that life starts at conception. And so then it was a little baby that was inside. And mm-hmm. so that was really tough. But the Lord also, I think, used it to just draw me so much closer to him and to realize how he's still the greatest comforter in my life, even in something really hard and devastating. Mm -hmm. And also I read John MacArthur's book called uh, Safe in the Arms of God. Mm -hmm. And he talks a lot about um, not just when you have a miscarriage, but any time a child dies or even people with disabilities who maybe don't fully understand. He talks about that too in his book. And it was really encouraging because he always talks so much about the Bible and um, just the truth that we find in God's word. And so that book really helped me when I was grieving and sad and not sure what to think. It, it directed me back to the Lord and to, you know, the promises that he's given us that he'll say that our children who die are safe in his arms and that he's, protecting them and that he's there for us as a comfort and help too when we're feeling so devastated and lost Mm -hmm. so that happened and then a year later year and a half later I um got pregnant again and I was so excited especially I think I was even more excited this time which may sound weird since I had a miscarriage because usually that can make you like scared the next time you're pregnant, but I think I was more excited because in my head I was running the numbers and like, okay, if you've had one miscarriage, then you, it's less likely that you'll have another one. So I can be really excited now because I probably won't have a miscarriage. Like I know what my future holds when I don't. And, uh, the same thing happened again. So I found out I was pregnant. I took a test and found out I was pregnant. And then it was, I think 10 or 11 days later, that I had a miscarriage again. So I was at the doctor's office again and saw the screen again and it was just a blank screen. And yeah, that was even more devastating, I would say, because I think I was a lot more excited that time than I was the first time. And all of those joys of finding out you're pregnant again were just seemed a wash because it was like, oh, we're, well, no you know, what do we do now? And how do I, how is this okay? And I think the main question I was asking the Lord then when I had the second miscarriage was, okay, Lord, I already had one miscarriage. Like, mm-hmm. why do I need to have another one? And I already feel more thankful for Alethea. Like if that's what he was trying to fix, mm-hmm. he fixed it. And I don't need to have another miscarriage. Like this isn't what I want or what I need. But yeah, the Lord ultimately knows what we need. And even the hard things are meant for our good. Mm-hmm. And I remember that I had studied Romans in EWG, the ladies Bible study at church. And um, especially Romans, I feel like Romans 8, everyone goes to it. But if you, when we studied it, it really changed it for me because everyone quotes that verse of whoever, or he, he will bring good to those who love him. Mm-hmm. And which is a great verse, even if you pull it out as this as it on its own. But when you study 
the whole first seven chapters and the eighth chapter, it just means so much more that Mm -hmm. we are such sinners without God. And then he still, he saves us. And then he still helps us to grow and gives us good things from hard, terrible things that we Mm -hmm. experience in our life. And so that verse really helped me the um, second time that I had a miscarriage. And then also remembering that, yeah, again, that the Lord is the greatest comforter and that we can rest in him and that he uses our hard things to push us farther and farther from ourselves, but closer and closer to him into his heart, because he wants us to be running to him all the time. Like he's running after us and we just need those hard things sometimes to run to him. And now I always remember that I can run to him even, um, in the really, really hard times or when I have, when I thought I was going to have a baby and now I don't, or when, um, you know, whatever the next bad thing happens, I know that I can run to him and he'll be there for me. Just like he's been faithful the other times when I've had a miscarriage or now that I've had two. And so, yeah, that's, yeah. I don't know what else to say. But. Yeah. And I think I love that verse, like, um, can't remember where, but it says like that for, we know that we have a high priest who can sympathize basically, you know, in our mm-hmm. suffering and that high priest is Jesus Christ, uh, for he knows, you know, how, mm-hmm. what it's like to endure when, you know, when trial comes and he would yeah. tempted in every way, but he never, that, the the beautiful part is like, he never sinned against his right. father. You know, he, he was mm-hmm. perfect. And I just re- also remembering when he's like um, asking the Lord, you know, Father, remove this cup from me, but not my will, yeah. Lord, but your will, mm-hmm. you know? So it's still like though he's asking to remove probably, you know, this, look, what he knows what's coming. And yet he says, not my will, but yours. And I think mm-hmm. um, that's, that's the greatest example for us that, yes, we can pray for the Lord, you know, like, take away this trial, but in the end, Mm -hmm. not my will, but yours. And just to see how the Lord uses those trials to, for our own sanctification, to make us more like Christ, like his son, you know, and yeah, I think it's just a a beautiful thing, you know, to be reminded of that, that in the end, he's using that one to show us the kind of faith that we have also, because mm-hmm. he doesn't need any proof, you know, he doesn't need, he, he knows, but for even for our own assurance of our faith in, in Christ. So now that you've mentioned all of this about Alethea and, you know, and this, uh, basically your, your experience as a mother and, and, and everything, yeah. you know, that happens in your daily life. I actually, in the beginning, I was uh, recording the uh, introduction and I mentioned oh. your naptime theologian. Um, blog. And I was reading a little bit that, um, uh, like a little paragraph that you have on your blog about it and why you created it. So can you just share a little bit about that? Uh, How did you come up with this idea of doing this blog? What are some of the things that you're sharing there? And yeah, and then how can people find it? Oh, sure. So when I first became a mom, it was um, really overwhelming to just, and and I loved it. It was great. And I love, still love being a mom, but just finding time to study the Bible and making wise choices when you're the only adult at home was really hard. And I didn't expect that either when I um, first became a mom. And uh, 
So that's kind of where the idea for a blog started because I was just learning a lot and I decided to uh, really study the Bible a lot too, even though I was so busy and kind of like, I think it's Martin Luther. I don't remember who it is, but it's not, I think it was Martin Luther. He said that um, when he had a really busy day ahead, oh, maybe it wasn't Martin Luther. I don't remember. It's someone, they, someone like that, They yeah. that they had a really busy day ahead of them then they need to spend more hours in prayer in the morning. And so that idea, not in the morning, it's still like for me, it's always at nap time, but just the idea of like, when you have a really busy life, you need the Lord even more. And so as a mom, it was really busy and you're usually not sleeping that much and you just have a lot of things to do. And so I just realized how much I needed the Lord and then how much I was learning was a lot. And so uh, it helped me to be writing about what I was learning. It helps me learn it better when I have to write it out as if I was, you know, sharing it with someone. Yeah. So that's kind of how the blog started because I was just learning so much after I started a year after I had Alethea and then, yeah, just have kept chipping away at it ever since and sharing as I am learning and growing and learning about being a mom and how, uh, you need to study your Bible a lot as a mom and that you have such a vital role in your children's lives and you influence them so much. And obviously as Christian, you want to influence them for God and for Christ. And you can't do that if you are um, not reading your Bible and immersing yourself in the word. And so as a mom, I write about that, learning about being a mom and then also I just I like reading um maybe not harder theology books but <laughs> like ones that can be meatier if that's a good word I don't know just uh like what I just finished reading one about how simple God is simple and if he he's just one part he's simple and if he wasn't then he wouldn't be God so things like that too. So that's kind of the nap time theologian part is just how when we learn the theology of God, we love him more and then we can live it out in our daily lives as a mom. And I used to always wake up early in the morning mm -hmm. to read my Bible, but then when I became a mom, that just never happened. And so I started doing it at nap time and just dedicating that hour or hour and a half, two hours to reading the Bible and praying and reading other books or studying the books. And so, and now I, since we moved to England, I've been sharing some about our move and um, mm -hmm. just what life is like here and moving overseas. But really, even if you're sharing about other things in your life, like that's not just, oh, this is the theology book I read. You are sharing theology because you're sharing your walk with the Lord and Everyone is a theologian. That's what R.C. Scroll says. And so, or said, and so um, even if you're sharing about, oh, we moved to England, there's still so many lessons you learn from the Lord just in daily life of uh, moving or being a mom. Mm -hmm. So that has really been fun to write them all down and it helps me remember them and learn them better. And uh, yeah. yeah, I just share them that way. And yeah, you can find my blog is naptimetheologian.com. And then I'm also on Instagram a lot. I'm on Facebook too, and not that much. I'm more on Instagram. 
So look on Instagram for Naptime Theologians, just at Naptime Theologians. And when this episode comes out, I will be tagging you. So that we'll be able to find it on the description, like in oh. the caption. So it will be uh, tagged to your Instagram page as well. And I do want to know, how do you go by uh, teaching the word of God to your daughter? How do you go by sharing the gospel with her? Because <laughs> you're like, you know, yeah, she's always well, with you. Question. Yeah. Yeah. So I... I've actually, I haven't ever, I don't think I've written much about it as a post yet on my blog, but I probably will sometime soon. You have to have the gospel in your own mind, in your own heart all the time. And I, I think I talked about it on the Sojourner's Day, but the gospel primer book is like one of my favorite books ever because it's little and it just gives you reasons why the gospel is so important and why you should be meditating and thinking about the gospel in your daily life all the time. And that has really helped me just having that mindset of the gospel all the time. And then as a mom, when you're so immersed in the gospel, it just kind of flows out in your conversations. And as you're talking to um, your daughter or to, in my case, to my daughter or to your kids. And so that's the first thing is just totally having it in my own heart and in my own mind. And making sure that I read scripture so that I can tell her about it during the day or um, just share with her. And then two, I think the way you discipline your kids is also a really good opportunity to share the gospel with them. So whenever you you take them aside and discipline them, you can share really the gospel with them in that moment. Because when you're displaying your child, it's because they have sinned. And they're sinful. And so right there is an opportunity to say, hey, you've sinned. And this is why you have to have consequences now for your sin. And Jesus died on the cross for your sin. And when you believe in him, he washes away all of your sin. And he told us, told me in the Bible to discipline you. And that's how you can learn to obey him and learn to believe in him is through you know, discipline. And because he died on the cross for you. So that's always an opportunity to share with your child. And I try to do that every time I talk with her or pull her aside to, you know, have discipline time. And um, so that's a lot during the day because you're disciplining your kids a lot. Uh, and, or at least, you, you know, you're, I am with my daughter. So I, I know other parents are too. Yeah. Um, so that would be the second way. And then I think another way is also having really good books to read to her um there's one book i like in particular called the uh big picture story bible and it goes through the bible so it's um just the stories of the bible from genesis to revelation but in it it talks about how um the old testament is looking towards jesus and his sacrifice and how he's the second adam and then how in the new testament it has all of the stories of jesus and him dying on the cross. And so it points to the gospel throughout the whole book of um, the Bible, which is really what the whole Bible is about ultimately. And so I really like that one for kids. And I try to read that one to her. Well, before we moved, we were reading it at every meal time. We would read a new story, but we haven't quite gotten back into that routine yet. So hopefully soon, but we do read it at least um, at nighttime. But there are a lot of good books that can help. Um, 
especially uh, I think of parents who maybe didn't grow up in a Christian home or um, maybe don't have that much Bible knowledge, which is totally fine. If you're learning too along with your kid, it's really nice to have good books that can um, help direct your conversations. And um, yeah, and then, you know, just living it out in front of your kids too is really important and showing them um, how you love the Lord and that it's part of your life and it's not just, you know, something you do on Sundays is probably, a, you know, maybe the most important way to show your kids the gospel and to teach it to them. So, which is also the hardest one because you know, that's, yeah, you, you know, <laughs> taking care of all your actions, trying to be holy, like that's hard. And then you have to yeah. try to do that um, with your kid around is also hard. So, but I think that's, yeah, those are the ways that I try. I'm sure there are a lot of other ways. We also memorize scripture. Um, I try to get her memorizing scripture. She knows all of Psalm 23 now, which is really fun. And so we say that every night and I need to pick a new, uh, I need, I'm, I have to pick a new chapter to start with because <laughs> we finished Psalm 23. So I don't know what we'll do next for 2021, but something, and that helps me too, just being in scripture. Yeah. I'm sure there, I could go on. There's like a lot, uh, but I'll stop I, <laughs> I do love an illustration that you kind of, well, not an illustration, but something very practical that you gave on your um, blog. And I think it's the most recent one that I've read. And it was, and the reason why it's because I, I remember this as a child happening to me, how my parents oh, will yeah. lie. And it was about like, don't lie to your child when you're like eating a oh, chocolate yeah. <laughs> and you tell them a lie, you know, of why you're, you yeah. can't share it with them, you know? And I think that is such a good practical, you know, example, because I remember, I remember, and I've heard my parents, even to my youngest siblings saying a lie. Mm-hmm. And it's like yeah. what you said, like you have to live out the word of God for them and say, if you yourself are lying to your child, cause they're not, they're smart. They pick mm-hmm. on it. Like they will know if you're lying to them too. So how are you being an example to your child? So can you just, uh, do you remember exactly the post yeah. of why you share? Can you share just like that for me? Yeah. If you, uh, if, even if you can read it also, because I just thought it was so, oh, so I, amazing. I can probably remember it because it's actually been on my heart for a while. I've just seen a lot of moms on Instagram. I feel like there is a, a kind of culture on Instagram sometimes with moms that can be really ungodly. And um, that's kind of why I wrote that post was because I wanted to say that this is not okay. Like, don't do this. Um, but I've seen so much where moms joke about, you know, they'll have like their cup of, it's obviously this nice milkshake that they just got from Chick-fil-A or something. And then their kids are like, mommy, can I have some? And then they say, oh no, it's gross. Or, oh no, this is spicy. You don't want this. <laughs> and obviously that's a lie. Like their, their milkshake or sometimes it, I think I said, or we see candy or chocolate or whatever it is that the mom is having is not spicy <laughs> and is not, you know, gross. You can't do that to your kids. You're lying to them. Mm-hmm. And I think we put so much into, we're so moms, especially can put so much stock into, 
I deserve this or I deserve my own snack or I deserve to have this chocolate because I work so hard during the day and I just need a break. And that may be true. Like, yeah, you might need a break, but it's not worth your own holiness before the Lord to lie to your kids and say, no, this is spicy. So you can't have it. Yeah. I think that we can be very selfish in that way and say that, no, I just want it all for myself, which is really the reason why you're lying is because you want it all for yourself and not, um, and you don't want to have to share with your kids. And a lot of having a two-year-old, I know a lot of parenting is teaching your kids to share and teaching them not to be selfish. Mm -hmm. And so then you go to your kid and say, no, this is spicy. You can't have it. And you're being selfish yourself. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I was just encouraging moms not to do that. Like stop saying to your kids that you, your special treat is spicy or gross or whatever it is that you normally say, because it's a lie. And the Bible tells us, I think it was in Colossians, the verse that I used that you should not lie as a believer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So your holiness before God is more important. And in my own experience, I used to always have chips and dip. Like when my daughter was napping and I would be studying my Bible or just having break at nap time. I don't think she had ever asked me because I don't remember. Like I don't, I didn't tell her it was spicy or something. But when I had it once and she hadn't, hadn't had it before and then I shared it with her, it was so fun because she was like, taking the chip and learning how to dip it in and eating it because she had never had it before. And I just remember thinking like, oh, this is so much more fun doing it with her instead of waiting until she's asleep and I can have it all on my own. So that was my own experience of like sharing my special snack with her. And that's what I encouraged other moms to do was try sharing it. Or if it's really that bad, like that you don't want your kid to have it, then maybe you shouldn't be having it to begin with. Like, (laughs) If it's really, if it's chocolate and you're like, oh no, this is too much sugar for my kids, then you don't need it either. So um, that was my other like option <laughs> than lying is, you know, just don't eat it, but yeah, or find something else that can give you a break and yeah, do it that way. Yeah. And I mean, if you're, if whoever listens to this, is not a mom and if you're like yeah. the, the older sister, the oldest, or you're like you know, you have nephews or nieces, like it's the same, like you also are to be an example even to them. And by lying to them, it's like, you know, you're not really helping. We need to be even steward of that. Like, am I being an example? Like I'm the youngest Mm of, I'm sorry, I'm the oldest of five. Yeah. Five kids have like a baby sister. She's like, actually she's Alethea's age. I think she's two years old. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, it's like, I have to watch out, you know, I mean, I know that I'm not here, you know, I'm not in New York with them, but even when I go and visit, how am I behaving in front of them? Or what are some of the, you know, yeah. what is my vocabulary in front of them? Or if I'm eating something now, I know it's like, <laughs> I'm not going to go and be like, no, it's bad for you. <laughs> so why are you eating it? <laughs> Just like what you said. Yeah, you know? I to be honest. And even, even if age isn't a thing, like even among peers being honest is something that you want to practice anyway mm-hmm. and you're not going to tell like a co-worker oh this is spicy you wouldn't want it so you I think a lot of times we give ourselves a break and treat kids worse because they don't understand and mm-hmm. they um, we know we can get away with it when really we should be 
treating them a lot better because they don't understand and because they deserve it to Mm -hmm. get the chance to, you know, see Christ in us instead of our flesh coming out and being selfish. Yeah, that's true. And so we were talking in the beginning about your move to uh, England. So can you just share with with us a little bit what, because I know, so Harold, uh, he used to be in leadership and Sojourners, which is our fellowship group at Grace Community Church. So what, what made you guys decide, let's move to England? So yeah, so Harold, when we got married, my husband Harold um, was in seminary, and then he finished his seminary degree he did a master's of divinity and and then he um decided that he wanted to do a doctorate somewhere that was kind of always the plan he he's been wanting to do a doctorate for a long time and so he just applied for a lot of different places and one of them was oxford and then he got accepted and so uh, then we said okay i mean you don't really turn down an opportunity to go study Oxford and so he yeah we decided to go for it and the Lord has really just provided along the way because we weren't sure how it was going to work out like how would we get money how would it be to move over there and then COVID happened and we're like how well how will that work and um but yeah the Lord has been really gracious in guiding us to here and so yeah, we, he was leading at the group in Sojourners, but um, it was mainly, he always wanted to do a doctor. So it just was the right timing and he got accepted. So we just moved here in a couple weeks ago. Now and how long, uh, how long does he have to be studying there for? Oh, um, at least three years. Three years. Okay. Yeah. And then do you guys know, I mean, obviously we don't know what the future holds, but like, what yeah. is your, you know, what is his goal? Like, what do you guys plan then to do after he graduates? Yeah, um, ultimately, I think the dream would be he could be a professor somewhere. But we'll just have to see after the three years if he goes on to do more, like, research studies somewhere or tries to get a job right away. We don't know. So we'll just have to yeah. see what the work holds. We don't really have set plans right now just to mm-hmm. we do for the next three years to finish his doctorate but after that we don't know so we'll yeah. see my next question is since we're being we actually you kind of mentioned some of the books but what oh. are some of your favorite books um other than the bible <laughs> yeah. uh you know that have been helpful for you and you, whether in your um walk with the lord or uh during difficult times so yeah if you could just yeah. um I'm definitely I think I'm, I already mentioned the safe in the arms of God one but that was really helpful for when I had both of my miscarriages after my second one I um, reread the whole book again and was just really encouraged and um but a lot of it is because it's uh, it's a lot of things straight from the bible so mm-hmm. it's just all in the book together which is helpful and um I already think I already mentioned the gospel primer too but that one is really one of my favorites I read it almost still every day and then when I'm done with it I just start over again at the beginning <laughs> it's really good and just having those short especially as a mom having um something that can just be a paragraph long is really helpful um to just read really quick when you have a second in the morning and maybe you don't have time then to read your Bible for 20 minutes, but you have a minute to 
read a paragraph. Um, another book that I have really been encouraged by is called The Fruit of Her Hands from Nancy Wilson is the author. And it talks about um, respecting your husband and being a good wife. And that was also really a really challenging book because she's very, um, not blunt, but she's very forward and saying what you should do and how you can follow the, you know, the, um, like the passages that talk about being a wife. And uh, it was really helpful when I first married and before we had Alethea and just learning to, put my husband first and respecting him, which I'm still learning how to do that. I don't think you ever perfect it, but yeah. Uh, yeah, that's been a really helpful book. And then I think the last one I would share is called the Valley of Vision. I and love it's a, yeah, it's so good. It's, a, yes. it's a book of Puritan prayers. Mm-hmm. And I love to start if I have enough time uh, during nap time, I love to start off by reading one of those I feel like they just kind of maybe it's the old English I don't know what it is but it just really draws your heart in and like oh okay this is good and um, this is exactly how I'm feeling and kind of when you've had especially for me because I usually study at nap time so I've had like a crazy and busy morning you know doing things with Alethea and just taking care of the house and then get a chance to like settle down and read your prayer and then um, be ready to focus on the Bible and thinking about things of the Lord is it's a really good book for that. Mm-hmm. And they're not that long. It's like one page is a prayer, which is really helpful yeah. too. If you don't have a lot of time. So. Yeah. And those prayers, <laughs> I find them to be so poetic. I don't know. It just, it really, yeah, you. They, they flow really well. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, yeah. The people who wrote them, I can't imagine. They were <laughs> really po- good poets and yeah. yeah, like they just pull on your heart so much. Or oftentimes when I read one, I'm just like, oh, that's exactly how I feel today <laughs> in the prayer. Yeah. So they're really good. I like, they're very encouraging. Good ones. Yeah. It, actually, I might ask you to probably just message me on Instagram or, you know, so the names of this book so that then oh, later sure. on, I can just kind of put it there uh, for people oh, yeah, to, that's to know. Yeah, to if they want to look at look them up. And my last question is to you: What are three things that brings you joy? Oh, ooh. <laughs> I don't know. Hold on, let me think. <laughs> what do you, do? You, like little things or like anything? Anything, anything that I don't know that yeah just brings you joy in your life. It could be anything. Lots of things. I don't know what to say. Only three. I only, <laughs> I know, right? I I don't know. I'm like you have to choose three. Pick three. Your favorite. I know. Um, okay, I'll do simple things. I really love washing the dishes, which it sounds terrible, but it's just like I don't know a moment where you can clean up everything, and then the kitchen is nice and clean. And I usually listen to music or a podcast or something, and. Uh, or now I have a window above my sink, which is really nice here. Aww. And so I can like look outside and see all of the rain. And um, yeah, I love washing dishes. I, it also always reminds me of how like you have a plate that you use over and over and over and over, right? <laughs> and you wash it over and over. And that always reminds me of myself because the Lord's always like using me again and washing me and washing me and washing me and washing me because we always sin and he always forgives us when we repent so yeah washing dishes number two 
I really like doilies, which is probably a weird thing to say. I'm trying to look for one. I have them everywhere. What is it? Do- doilies? Yeah. Oh, you may not know what it is. They're like. I don't. I'm like, oh, what is yeah. I want to. Yeah, please go find it. <laughs> I want to see what it is now. I don't know why I'm choosing this as my simple joy, but they're like crocheted. Oh, things. and you make them. Oh, no, I wish. <laughs> but my my grandmas did <laughs> like this is my great grandma's. <laughs> So do you use it normally to just place it on the table or what does it mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like I have one on the table here and then I have one back there. I don't know. This okay. is probably not. I mean, thing, I, I've seen that and I've seen it mostly like the big one, like for the table, like as, as a tablecloth. Yeah. Kind I of. Big ones too. This is just a little one. Okay. But yeah. Yeah. I don't know why they are just so pretty to me. And I don't know. Someone took so much time to work on it. And I think when we moved, we went through everything in our house and I got rid of so much stuff. And so getting to like bring something that, um, cause this is pretty packable. That's kind of why I, mm-hmm. I brought and, uh, just getting to kind of remember like family and that my grandma made them and yeah. now we get to use them. And, and so many things like this too, I think can just get stored away and you never use it and um I just like using them so I put them everywhere because I don't know they're pretty and they they bring me joy and they remind me of my heritage in some ways and just uh, a good way to enjoy what like the Lord gave them to me so yeah that reminds me of my grandma actually because I remember her having it in Dominican Republic so that's why when you show it to me, I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, I remember yeah. seeing this as a child I, in her home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm such a grandma at heart. So it's uh, nice to have them. Um, yeah. So you have I a third know. one? one? I know. These <laughs> could be more, um, like, these are so simple. I need to f- pick something like me. <laughs> no. This is a hard question. <laughs> I know. It is Do for other- a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> or am I the only one? <laughs> no, you're not the only one. <laughs> when I, because I get people sometimes on the spot, like, what are three things that brings you joy? And they probably were not thinking about it. And they're like, yeah, I have to go through my list now in my head. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I saw your question earlier that that was one that you would ask. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I just kind of skipped. I was reading your question. So, <laughs> what about um, your, your blog? This is like pouring out yeah. your heart, you know? I think my third thing would probably be, yeah, writing on my blog and just getting to share with people. And yeah, I think I've gotten a lot of feedback from people who really appreciate things I've said. And um, that's been really encouraging or just to know that the Lord's using um, my story to encourage someone else is um, pretty cool. And also it's people that I wouldn't meet like in life because mm-hmm. it's through the internet and so yeah. that's also pretty fun and I've made some other mom friends on Instagram because of my posts and so that's really special I think to like make a virtual friend of who's, <laughs> yes. who's another mom and who's like struggling same things or um has had a miscarriage and you just have mm-hmm. so much in common and getting to connect that way um yeah. has been a really cool experience and something that I'm really thankful for. 
So yeah, that's a good one for you to enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even for me, I've been able to connect with a lot of people now through social media, people that I've never met. And it's just through, you know, praise the Lord for social media, uh, a good way yeah, to connect. Makes, yeah. I think a lot of times I can be discouraged by social media, like, because mm-hmm. it can be so discouraging. But at yeah. the same time, I think it also makes me see how big the church is in the world, because there's Christians everywhere. It's just, you don't know them or don't know that they are Christians. And so to like get on Instagram and see, yeah, there's a mom reading my blog in Australia or, you know, somewhere else in Germany or, and it's someone who's also a Christian and knows the Lord. Then it's like, Oh yeah, the Lord. But you kind of feel like Elijah, right? Sometimes Mm -hmm. when he was in the desert and he's like, I'm the only one that's serving you. And then the Lord's like, no, there's, nope. <laughs> I think it's like 6,000 or 3,000. I don't really remember, but there's all these other prophets that have been yeah. serving me. You just don't know. Yeah. And um, I think that's the way social media can be a blessing, even though it can be really devastating, but it can be a blessing yeah. in that way. It can really show you like, no, there's people that love me everywhere. Yeah. You just don't know them. Yeah. And well, if, if, yeah, like again, nap time theologian, I will highly suggest to all the moms and anyone actually, I'm not a mom yet. And yet, you know, like, <laughs> I'm like, I just recently got married, but yet I really enjoy the, you know, just your writing and how you're really pouring out your heart um, out there. And like you said, it will be, it has been encouraging to many people. And, and that's what it is, right? We just share the work of the Lord in our life with everyone who is out there and that we're not the only one probably going through that trial. There probably are mm-hmm. other people facing the same trial that we're going through. And I really love also, I will also say to anyone who listens to this right now to also follow Deborah on Instagram, because I really love the videos that you share uh, either teaching Alethea how to like wash dishes. Like you said, like that brings you oh. joy <laughs> or uh, packing for like when you were, when you guys were making the big trip. So the best uh, traveling tips you can get it from her <laughs> so oh. I really love like even that that what you did on Instagram stories it's like daily life things that we do that you know that it's like oh but you would get stressed out I don't know how to do it well it's I think you should definitely go and follow her Instagram and I love like how you do also like I think it's sour sour what is it called the uh sour it's like ca- the cabbage that you take and then yeah, you make it in sa- yeah, sauerkraut, like homemade things that you can just easily mm-hmm. make at home and uh, how to prepare like even food that you can take it for whenever you're traveling. It's so, it, it, I, I thought it was just amazing. So yeah, so nap time theologian and I will uh, definitely tag it over here whenever we post it, you know, this um, episode. Yeah. But yeah, thank you so much, Deborah, for just taking this time and talking to me. And, you know, I know this will be a tremendous blessing to anyone who listened to it. And just in closing, will you mind just praying for us as we close? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Fathers, thank you so much for uh, this time that we've had together and just a chance to get to talk about uh, your work in my life and how you have just done so much and changed my life to be yours and um thank you for Alanis and just the opportunity to talk with her and share your uh work and I pray that whoever listens would be encouraged to follow you closer and if they don't know you to get to know you and to um 
be saved ultimately. And for anyone who maybe has struggled with miscarriage or has um, struggled with other things that I share about too, that you would use our words to encourage them and to draw them closer to you. And may it all just be for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening or watching our podcast. If you're enjoying our podcast, we would like to invite you to support us by leaving us a review. Let us know how you have been encouraged by each one of the stories that you have listened here. Also leaving us your feedback. You can also help by following us on social media on Instagram and Facebook or by liking or commenting on our post and also by sharing with your friends and family. Also, don't forget to subscribe on our podcast and YouTube channel. Another way that you can also help us is financially by visiting our Patreon page by going on the link here on the description.